Welcome to Board Game Box Office, a Table Knots podcast about board games, movies, and all the space in between. My name is Max, and boy, do I have a story to tell you later this episode. And I'm joined today by Kenny, who is feeling a little uncomfortable during a confrontation over Zoo Vetus, and Kyle, who thinks falling asleep during a movie and rewinding back to the parts that you missed is just as bad as sitting on your phone the entire runtime. What say you, friends? Oh, also, Jash is here. I didn't write anything for him because I, I, I didn't think he'd be here. It's Burgundy Week, everybody. We're doing a deeper dive into Castles of Burgundy, as well as Anchorman, starring Will Ferrell as Ron Burgundy. You like the connection? That was Kyle's idea. But before we get into that, what you been playing, Kyle? Or watching, Kyle? Mr. Themer, you have a massive erection. Oh, wow. We're starting already. It's the pleats, Kyle. It's the pleats. I like the way that that one just naturally came up, too. Just flowed right in. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, there was no you didn't have to force that one at all. No. No, that was perfect. Uh so leading up to this, like I kept trying to think about what I was what quote I was going to use after you entered me. Uh wow. and that's was, what you came up with. <laughs> well, <laughs> Max isn't even mad. That's amazing. The first one I was going to use was calling you a schoolboy bitch, but we've been getting some heat by picking on you too much. So uh <laughs> I, I opted out of that one. To be and fair, I, was, I think the the majority of the listeners enjoy that. Uh, that just because one person is on my side doesn't mean that most people are. <laughs> uh, then I was going to say your intro was compelling and rich. Um, yeah, so it was just uh, whatever the one that came to my mind as we were going was what I was going to go with. So. And you landed on that yeah, one. Yeah, I was thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you chose. Yeah. All right. You know, so the thing about like the Anchorman quotes, though, real quick, friends, is like, I. All of them are all of them are hits. All of them. You can all choose them. anything, are and it works. In any, yeah, yeah, all of yeah, them. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, pretty much all of them are hits. It's like such a quotable movie. Like I, I rewatching, I was just like, my god. Like I just know all of these know. lines just like so well, and they've like seeped into culture, right? Yeah, there are probably things that like you heard them like, oh yeah, that's why I say that thing because it's in yeah. this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like how I sent you all a, a Google Doc with the episode structure. And at the end, we talk about Anchorman. <laughs> we what? In, we're like, well, yeah, this, this, is, this movie's super quotable. When I was rewatching. <laughs> Man, this episode escalated right. quickly. This is really Kyle's fault for not going into the movie right away. So. That's true. It's always Kyle's hey, fault. Last time, I tried, last time I tried to go right into the movie, I was yelled at. <laughs> All right. I, had, I always have to come up with something. That's my cross to bear. Yeah, well, normally you don't come up with the featured topic of our episode. <laughs> He's like, okay, I've been playing a game recently. It's Castles of Burgundy. I don't know if you've heard of it. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Josh, how did you know? <laughs> I've been playing a lot of Castles all of Burgundy. Out the window. Okay, I guess we're, we're going to talk about here. Movie. No, no, no. No, no. Let's go by structure. We're a very structured podcast. It's true. Yeah. Uh, this is the movie I watched uh, is not quotable to me yet, but I think it could be. Uh, and that is Wes Anderson's Asteroid City. I think only Max has seen Asteroid City. Is that correct, Kenny it's true. and Josh? Yeah, I've not seen it yet. Do you guys want to see it? Yeah, I Probably. do. Okay. Uh, so going into Asteroid City, which is really... Wes Anderson winking and nodding at himself uh, because it is a play inside of a movie and Asteroid City is 
the play inside the movie, but it's there's kind of a it's kind of a story in two parts where it breaks it down where Asteroid City, the play, is in color, and then when they're talking about the play, it's in black and white, and it's got a narrator and the writer of the play and the director of the play and all of that. Um, and at first, I thought like, oh yeah, this is fine. It was typical Wes Anderson affair where it was like deadpan delivery, uh, perfect symmetry of the scenes, um, really drastic like scenery um but about the midway point i like fell in love with it and it's because it was split into two parts and it was really at least for me i haven't read up on anything it was like wes anderson like telling talking to his audience and the critics about himself where one of the actors in asteroid city is like this I, i like this play but i don't get the point of it and the director goes that's fine you don't need to get the point you're doing great which kind of meant two things for me one on like a surface level it meant like you don't have to like there's not always a point to his movies like just enjoy it just enjoy the acting enjoy the scenery but also like on a more deeper level for me anyway it was kind of a talking about like life and that like life isn't perfect you may not know your meaning. You may not know what everything is about. Just do your best. Um, because this main character uh, is going through, his his wife just died and he has a family of three kids and he just doesn't know what he's doing. Um, and really, like, he's just saying, like, that's okay. Um, so it really touched me. Uh, as a Wes Anderson fan, I'm like, oh, that's funny that he's kind of, like, commenting on himself about how, like, everything has to be perfect. And he's, like, kind of winking at himself that he's style over substance. And then uh, you have uh, the emotional part of it where he's like talking about like actual real life stuff. Um, And I just really love that. Max, what was your read on Asteroid City? Yeah, this is a it's a it's a pretty confounding movie, one that I, I certainly recommend everybody watch. I also very much enjoy it. I watched it once and I, I left the theater being like, I really liked that, but I have no idea what happened or what it meant uh, so i think initial rating was like a three and a half because i really enjoyed my time with it but like i i didn't really get it at all and then on second viewing uh things made a lot more sense as far as just kind of understanding the structure because when i went to sit down in the theater i didn't know about the like two-part structure or anything like that so it was all coming at me real time and all incredibly confusing um but i i love that movie man like it's one that i feel like after every rewatch might just get another half star until it's capped at five. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I just really, really liked it. Uh, And I totally agree with you Um, without getting too spoiler heavy. I think that the the story is essentially about grieving and also our, our purpose in life. And yeah, that, that single quote about like, I don't understand the story. And the director says, that's okay. Just keep telling it is just like, yeah, just a huge, like that, that really, it's emotional genuinely like it it really is just like hard hitting like even if you don't understand your purpose or even if you don't know why you're here or how you're pushing through or what you're doing it's okay just keep doing it and so i i really really like that movie i I thought there were some incredibly standout performances um i thought scarlett johansson was great um i liked uh oh what's her name uh <laughs> dang it not now i'm struggling to remember her name uh the daughter from the guy in before in the before Hawk. movies Maya yeah Hawk. maya Hawk. yeah i thought she was hilarious 
Uh, honestly, the whole the one song they sing should be nominated for best original song. You know what I'm saying? But great movie. Um, pick up a lot. The every rewatch that you get, the the triplet sisters are hilarious. Like, ugh, great movie. I, I really really like Asteroid City, and I I very much recommend it. It's a divisive movie. A lot of people in our server do not like it. Yeah, and like I'm a little surprised. That's okay, by that. but I disagree with you. <laughs> it's just uh, it's great in my opinion. I was a little nervous about that because like Wes Anderson is a pretty divisive uh, director anyway. Not a lot of people love his stuff. He's definitely not for everyone, but like. People really enjoy Royal, Royal Tenenbaums and Grand Austria and um, all and all of that, but like and Fantastic Mr. Fox. But like people were like really down on Asteroid City. I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be more like uh, the French Dispatch, which was really kind of a nothing burger movie. Um, but man, I I got a lot out of it. I think this is more, one of his more like substance mm-hmm. movies. Like I think yeah. this has a lot going for it. I'm still pretty fresh into Wes Anderson. I've only seen Fantastic Mr. Fox, Moonrise Kingdom. And Asteroid City. Have I seen any others? I don't think so. Uh, but I, it probably is my favorite at this point. I think they're all like four stars for me. But I, I think Asteroid City has the most room to grow. I, I don't know. I really like it. I love Asteroid City. Asteroid City, Asteroid City, Asteroid City. Here it goes down in my belly. <laughs> that was good. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate you. All right, Kenny. What you been playing? So the other night we broke out a game called Zivatis. Um This is by <laughs> Reiner Knizia. It's kind of an evolution of his uh, game Code Vadis, which is, I guess, a classic from the past. But it's been re- re-implemented by Bytewing Games. And the production mm. of the game is just, like, stunningly beautiful. Like, the art is by Quanche Moria. And it features, like, this anthropomorphic animals um, in his, like, very, like, hyper-realistic style. Um, it is... I, I think I mean the reason a big reason I backed is because Reiner Kinnitsia, but I also backed it because of just the art and production, um, which I think is just absolutely stellar. Um, but uh, Zuvatis is in the is at its core like a negotiation game where you're basically just trying to get the most points and getting your uh, character to the end of the track, right? And you want you need to have a character to the end of the track, in, like the basically the last spot um, to actually very important e- even be qualified for points to actually advance Fight. to the the track and kind of get points you have to uh basically have majority in each of the five little uh, gated off in the mini gated off sections so if it's like a spot with like five spots in it um if you have two uh of your characters in there it's a two to five you need one more person to say hey i'll vote i'll vote you in go ahead and move to the next section so you can basically use bribery negotiation or turn of favors anything you anything you can really do to uh help leverage and get people on your side so you can move along. Um, and so this is brought us to uh, a bit of a confrontation when we played. <laughs> <laughs> I was really hoping Dylan would be here because I was going to say like, we need Kyle to be like the judge Judy of this and make a ruling on the matter. Um, oh, no, we're going to talk about it. He will, he will make a ruling on the matter. Uh, so basically when the core mechanics of the game is like, again, if you're not in that final spot by the end, um, you, you, you basically don't, count your score which happened to me like i didn't get to the final area i my score didn't count but you can also manipulate basically the peacocks of the of the group um and you can they're the kind of like the just like the filler i guess the filler faction and so you can as 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 an action you can basically choose to move a peacock into the along the path and they can actually occupy one of the last groups tightening up the the amount of 
the room that is there for final scoring. Um, so in our game, uh, Max towards the end basically moved a lot of the peacocks into the group, uh, and leaving basically leaving so that only Jash and him could score at the end. And while Dylan was just one spot away from actually being able to score, um, and that 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 did not bode well for Dylan. Um, he was not happy. <laughs> he was not a happy camper. He was. Did you guys offer him some money out of your wallet? <laughs> Maybe realize like I think Dylan's you know pretty even killed, but if he if it's a game with king making, oh man, it's. This is it could go poorly. See, but Max would argue that he I would wasn't king. Argue that I wasn't king making. Yeah. And that's I think the crux of the issue, right? I mean I mean the thing is that this game though in particular is basically the game of king making because it's a game of just favors and backstabbing and uh negotiation. So like it's I think it's just like so inherent to the game itself like it's you you basically have to king make to to play the game, right? I didn't I'm not in trouble anyone. at all. <laughs> I'm not in trouble at all. <laughs> but it, it's it's a really interesting game because the, the design of the game is just really pared down. Like it's really simple. Like it plays very very quickly. Like I think we play less than thirty minutes. Forty even, minutes. Yeah. Even with a team. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So like, Doolin would say that's my fault for pushing the peacocks quickly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I so like it, so I mean, in this case, to an extent, I, I thought it was made sense like it's just so it's it's just the tactic of the game right like if Dylan's knocking at the gates with a bunch of points you're like well i gotta move some peacocks in there so you yeah, can close it off yeah well first things first i want to say that i do think that this is a game that we would uh improve at um mm-hmm. because we did not really utilize the trading and negotiation to the extent that we probably should have for example um something that would have helped me is at the end of the game I allowed Jash to pick up a Laurel under the zookeeper as my ability and really only asked that he help me out in the future. But then the game ended before he even had an opportunity to do that. Had I asked for like three, four points, he would have maybe accepted and given me some points or declined and not gotten four points himself which would have possibly given me the victory. In this case, it wouldn't have. I think I lost by five or four exactly. But even still, I think we did not really utilize that uh, trading and negotiation to the extent that we should. So I'm excited for more opportunities. And it's really hard for like a game like this, just like understanding the value of things, the value of actions. Yes, and that's agreed. Just, you, you really need like a second or third play to actually understand that yeah. and use that to your advantage. Yeah. But before we talk about the gatekeeping issue in detail, uh, Josh, what do you think about this game? <laughs> uh i i enjoyed it it was very simple um i think it took me a minute to like get it but i did like that we weren't all trying to do the exact same thing you kenny and doolin were interacting with each other a lot more while i was doing the strategy of piling all of my people in one space so i could just send a bunch of my own people by mm-hmm. like building a majority um, and going down the complete opposite side of the board. So, I mean, there's not like a huge depth of strategy, but there is a little bit of variety and some interpersonal things in the ways that like I was able to use. Um, I was able to use your ability, uh, Max. And honestly, like the way that I was able to use your ability was you placed the thing in front of me to where I basically had to make a deal with you. Right. Or just not take anything. So I feel like even though it's a short, simple-ish game, there's still, like, some meat oh, on the sure. bones. 
it has like the hallmarks, hallmarks of a Knutsky game. It's like there's kind of rules light, but there's a lot of depth to it. At least the the kind of yeah. Knutsky games I really like. Um, and I think like you know if this is a game like it kind of reminds me of like Cosmic Encounters in a way, like a pared down Cosmic Encounters. Like if your group plays this a lot, a meta is going to form, and it's going to be there's going to be a lot of depth to this game, um, which I think is one of my favorite things to see in a board game in uh, in general. Agreed. So Kyle. Kingmaking. Your parents know a lot about it. Yep. What do you know about it? <laughs> I also know about it. You know a lot I mean, about too. it, too. You know a lot about it, too. <laughs> Good job, Max. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, okay, so this game, like, the, the, the structure of the game basically was as follows. I pushed one of my characters up to the top, the scoring position, as quickly as possible. I didn't have anyone else anywhere near contention to even grab points, let alone make it to the top again. Not even like a place that I could move to get points. So Doolin was crawling up the track, scoring a lot of points. Kenny was crawling up, scoring a lot of points. I had 14 points, not a lot. Jash, I knew he probably had more than me, but I wasn't sure. The points are, are hidden, basically, and I wasn't really tracking, but I knew that, that Kenny and Doolin had scored a lot more. So Doolin moves the peacock into his location which then on the following turn will allow him to move into scoring position but it comes around to my turn i take that peacock jump into the final scoring track on jash's turn immediately after me right before doolin he takes his peacock puts it in the scoring final scoring track ending the game meaning that doolin nor kenny made it to the end of the game so it was zero to zero than what i had and what jash had my defense is I knew for a fact that Doolin or Kenny would beat me if they got there. I was pretty sure Jash would beat me, but it was my best chance. I also yeah. think I'd rather take second place than third or fourth place. And I think Doolin is of the opinion that if you ain't first, you're last. And I king made <laughs> Jash by pushing that. Wrong Will Ferrell movie. I know. Whereas in my opinion, I would... Rather A, come second than third or fourth, but B, I was pretty sure I wouldn't win, but like that was my only shot. That Jash was the only person I had right, any chance. chance of beating because he only beat me by four or five points. I would guarantee that Doolin and Kenny probably had me by 10, 15, 20 points at that point in time. Maybe not 20, but 10 or 15 at the very least. He was unhappy. But what do you think about the issue? <laughs> I guess I'll have to take you at your word. Yeah, it is a bit unfair that Doolin isn't here that uh, offer his side, but I, I don't know who his side actually would be. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't either. So I'm, saying, I'm, just, I'm stating a fact. That's that's what happened. <laughs> he can have another opinion, but that's that's the way the game played out. As someone who hasn't played the game, and Doolin's not here, and I'm only hearing hearing it from one side, I I think Max is in the right here. The points are hidden, so you. I, it's hard for me to call anything king making when the points are hidden. Second, you are you're just trying to do the best you can. Whether that hurts right. Doolin or hurts anybody else, that does not matter. You're just trying to do the best you can. Now, do I care if I get second or third or fourth? Not really, but I'm still trying to do the best I can. And if that gives me the best shot to win, because you know you have less points than Kenny and Doolin, then yeah, I think that's the right move. And Doolin needs to get over it. <laughs> <Because> like, <laughs> how many games does it 
These are his favorite games. He likes Root and Tammany Hall. And like, come on. It's key, all king making. We all got into it. a pretty big scuttle afterwards. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I want to say that it's kind of rude, all this king making talk, because it sounds like I only won because of what Max did in validating my, what I played for well, me. Doolin would say that's true. <laughs> so blame him, not me. Josh. Josh, it doesn't matter, baby. Take the W. Take the W. Who cares how yeah, it happened? I'm just saying it's a little bit rude. No, no, it's not. Who cares? It all counts the same in the history books. You won. That's true. Look at BG stats. Who's number one, baby? <laughs> I want to play this game so bad. It is really great. I, I really like it. I'm. This is a game I'm going to bring pretty consistently to our Tuesday game nights. Yeah, um, I'd like to play really, it. It's never going to get played again. No, no, I want to play it again for sure. Don't doing well doolin will be fine we can play the hour and a half we're waiting for doolin's gonna say okay before we start let's go over the ground rules no touching the peacocks first round i move a peacock well i'm really glad that kyle was here to uh give his ruling and preside over us so i think like we need to make up a catchphrase like courts in session or courts out of session court adjourned the king has spoken oh that's good that's true the king has spoken i am now the judge and the jury of all issues going forward. All issues? Just in general? Including the ones going with, to, with me involved. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, that sounds gavel. He's not I need a gavel sound effect. Uh, Kevin Kevin has a gavel. Maybe I can borrow it from him on Thursdays. Nice. Let's let's make it happen. I accidentally called Kenny Kevin the other day. That's weird. You, you don't, don't even know, know any Kevin. Kevins. <laughs> I know, hey, Kevin. <laughs> hey, Kyle. We're on the same page today, Kyle. I appreciate you. It came out, and I was like, where'd that come from? <laughs> All right, Josh. What have you been playing? Or what have we been playing? What have we been playing? Because really, this is going to be a collective conversation. Because I want to talk about a little game called Mythic Mischief by Ivy Studios. So the second season is about to be on Kickstarter. And we have been playing the beta version of the Mythic Mischief app. And so the amount of Mythic Mischief we've played in the past couple days has risen exponentially. Yes. Yeah. Friendship ended with Lorcana. Mythic, <laughs> Mythic Mischief, Mischief is my, is my new best friend. <laughs> That's because we can actually acquire yeah, this I'm game. I'm selling all my Lorcana uh, to buy new iPhones to play more Mythic Mischief on. <laughs> <laughs> you can have more games going at the exact same time. I got too many phones. I'm going to have games with myself. Yeah, so this is a um, 1v1 or 2v2 abstract strategy game where you are manipulating your position on the board, your opponent's position on the board, and barriers to try to get your enemies in the way of the uh, the gardener, the tome keeper, the big pawn in the middle that is trying to march to specific places on the board. So you're trying to manipulate his path as well so that he walks into your opponent's pieces and you whoever has um, 10 points first or whoever has the most points by the time the guy reaches his final destination wins. Final destination is a different and movie. It sounds very simple on paper, but it is so in-depth. There's so many interactions that it could become very mathy and thinky and it's fun having all the time to think about your moves on the app version but it's also fun and really chaotic to do it quickly we implemented the chess clock when we played the other day and it was madness and i just absolutely love this game 
Yeah, I uh I really I'm really enjoying it on the app. Um I think it's a better app than it is a board game. Uh and that is because of the time constraints. Like I seriously take 10 minutes a turn probably in all my games because the fun part of me it's like every game is an individual puzzle. So like every turn I feel like I'm working a Sudoku in like a newspaper or something. And I don't even care what the other player is doing. I'm just trying to solve the puzzle that's presented to me. <laughs> and this and the solution is always how can I capture at least two guys? That's what I'm always <laughs> trying to do. And that's why I don't think I would like it with a chess clock. Now, I think it would be necessary in a live version because of the AP that can ensue. But I don't think it would be as fun for me not being able to try to to math and solve that out, if that makes sense. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like, playing the app and just playing, like, the three or four games I've been playing at a time, like, it's just, like, I just get struck by, like, how bad my AP is and just how, like, how much I overthink it and just try to find, like, any go over the same solution like three, four times to actually, before I actually decide on it. Um, and so it's just like a luxury you have with the app that I wouldn't do in real life. Like I think in real life, I tend to just play more by gut, uh, which probably means I, I don't win a lot, but um, yeah, playing at the app is a nice way to play it, but it's also just, it is also just equally time consuming in a way, just but yeah. to yourself, you know? Right. Cause if you're allowing yourself to take that much time for your turns and like, that's why I, like both play styles like uh, after playing this on the app i would not play it in person without time constraints because at least you're getting a different experience there and you're not making the other person sit there and wait while you're trying to figure out what you want to do next yeah well i think the thing about myth of mischief is like i mean not to to, to say like play i wouldn't play this in person because i think like the the production of the game is just beautiful like it's like mm -hmm. great art great miniatures and just it's i think half the joy of the game is like uh, manipulating the pieces on the board as well so like it's a game i'm I, i'd always be happy to bring out um in person but again i think like i would also probably probably play the time constraints as well going forward they also have a specific time constraints mode in the rule books right like i don't they think do. we've played by those rules no. but they have a blitz we've mode. never played the blitz mode which has like player elimination and things like that too so i'd be interested to try that out but i pretty much agree with you josh that i think that i i, I doubt that i'll play in person often without a chess clock because i do think that it is a different experience but one that i think uh bodes specifically well for in-person play um i like feeling smart and mathing everything out and getting the perfect turn that makes it all worthwhile but if that's in front of another player and they're sitting there waiting for me to do that for 10 15 minutes that's not fair or fun for anyone i don't think so for me like i'm gonna math out the mobile game when it's on the app i'm gonna try and do everything that i can to get the perfect plays when it's in person, I'm going to play a little bit more off the cuff and try and be a little quicker with my turns, especially if using a chess clock. And so it's two different experiences, but two completely valid experiences that I, I enjoy regardless. Um, I've played a lot in the past, what, two days? It, we've only been two playing days, it for two days, basically. Tuesday. And yeah. I've already played like... Or yesterday is when we got Yeah, I've already it. played like seven or eight times by this point, or maybe more than that, I have to check. Um, and I'm just, I'm loving it. And I think that A... It's just really great to experience all the factions uh, more because there are a couple of factions that I've only played once before this digital implementation, some that I've played a lot of, and just being able to learn those and see what they do is, is excellent. And I also think it's just a really great learning tool. Like I think by playing on the app, 
I will become a better player in general. Yeah. Just as far as able to see the board. Like I was playing with Angelo. You remember Angelo, Kenny mm-hmm. and Kyle. Um, he's yep. who taught us at Origins. Fantastic guy. Super awesome guy. Gave us an incredible teach of Mythic Mischief that instantly sold yep. all three of us. Still we my favorite play. Loved it. I leapt up in the middle of the Origins Convention Center and like literally fist bumped the sky like the Breakfast Club. It was fantastic. And uh, this dude, dude, <laughs> talk about the moment I realized there's a massive skill gap is the moment I played my first game with Angelo. <laughs> the score was nine to two before <laughs> the Tomekeeper hit objective one. It was oh before. No. It was, <laughs> yes, dude. I will tell you Angelo's gamer tag, whatever it is. So you can invite him to a game and I will specifically tell him to pick the witches because he is disgusting with the witches. It was nine to two before the Tome Keeper landed on his first objective. <laughs> this is And you just screen recording of this game. Before school section. Like it was it was wild. It was something else. But honestly, it gave me a, a great appreciation for the game because I was like, wow. I suck. <laughs> like, well, it's like, like yeah, like all of our games are like terrible. within one point, right? Like, we're all yeah. like so close. It's like, oh, you won nine to eight. Oh, you won five to four. I won seven to six this time. It's like, right. Oh, and, but I, it's good to hear that there's a skill disparity and we're just all very bad. I agree. Right. That makes me like excited <laughs> to see what, see what more is out there. Like, this man sees the board and just is doing like trigonometry and calculus or something. It's crazy. <laughs> He just destroyed me. And I was like, wow, I have never been beat. I've never even seen someone play like that. Like, again, just manipulating the entire board state so the Tome Keeper can't even get to his spot and capturing three of my people in a go at the same time. It was it was something else. And I was very impressed. But yeah, totally agree with you, Kyle. The the skill disparities, the skill disparity and the skill gap in this game is honestly kind of like inspiring. It's exciting. I'm happy to yeah. be playing most of my games with people on a similar skill, skill level as mine. But I'm also excited that we have not even come close to seeing like what we can do with this game. So I'm man, this app has reinvigorated my love for a game. I always loved mythic mischief, but just as one that we didn't often pull out physically. Uh, yeah, I am. It is just, it has brought it back to the forefront for me. I have loved every minute of these plays and also shout out to IV. This app is, very good mm-hmm. there are a few like key things that they need to do which i hear yeah. they are doing quickly um such as like tutorials and actually seeing details of what the abilities do but man this yeah, is a important. incredible app like one of the most well done board game apps i have ever seen yeah i agree yeah a, a couple of weeks ago, you were like, hey, Josh, do you want to take the Mythic Mischief Volume 1 with you? And I was like, nah, it's fine. And then now we've been playing more past couple days. I'm like, oh, I messed up. I should have said yes. <laughs> <laughs> now Doolin has it. It's too late now. Doolin is so good at this game, too. Yeah, oh my gosh. I feel like Doolin's quite good, too. He destroys me with the, with the monsters in particular. I'm like, what do you... Jash, you were destroying me for a while before I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you shouldn't be able to move me off that tile. <laughs> you're like, you're cheating. And I'm like, I can't cheat. The game's letting me do it. <laughs> but hey, look, we contributed. Angelo specifically said, he was like, just know that you all have made this game better and you can you can cherish that forever. And I was like, yes, we yeah. will. <laughs> we will take that. 
yeah super big fan of this game and just loving playing with the the different factions for sure any more on mythic mischief do you think this app is going to help inspire you to bring out the game more physically in person that's the the kicker right um and one that i don't i don't know on one hand i think probably not because the app is freaking great and we can play it at times when we're not together on the other hand though as our skill level rises and as we become more familiar with the game our playing in person will also be quicker so Uh we could do like a chess clock game in person no problem at all knock out a game or two so i really don't know i'm not i'm not sure if it will but i kind of hope it does Right. Ural's first instinct was no. My first instinct was yes, because it's something that like uh, something that we wouldn't have played before. But now it like Mythic Mischief is on our mind because of the app. And if I if I like, for example, get over to your house before everyone else, Max, and we have time, it's like, oh, yeah, pull out the chess clock, pull out Mythic Mischief. We'll get a game in while we're waiting. See, I guess here's my problem with that. And really like apps and BGA in general is like, uh, I think Max hit it on the head when he said, like, we can play this anytime, and then when we're together, I want to be playing something we can't be playing anytime. Like, if I came down to visit you guys, I don't want to play Mythic Mischief, I don't want to play Ark Nova, I don't want to play Caverna, I don't want to play anything we play on BGA. I just don't. Because we can play that already. And, like, I understand the tabletop version is different, like, you're getting the interactions, and... What about Blood Rage? It... Well, Blood Rage is my favorite game. <laughs> I... <laughs> but that's like the, the see there's caveats no, that's like the thing that was like blood rage it's like i do kind of want to stop playing on bga because i don't want it to get like that i i don't think i think bga is better or blood rage is better on the table and it the bga does not really hold a candle to it unlike mythic mischief and arc nova where i think the bga adaptation is just as good as the live version because they're more solo experience well not mythic mischief is not a solo experience but arc nova is and it's gotten to the point now where these games, like, if I'm playing them a lot on BGA or I'm playing the app, like, I don't feel like I even need to own the game. Like, I got rid of Mythic Mischief about a month ago, I, or two months ago, I traded it to somebody in the Discord. And after playing the app, I was like, oh, man, this game is freaking great. Like, I really like it. I kind of wish I would have kept it. And then I'm like, do I? No, because I can just play with you guys. Like, I would never pick to play it in person because I'm playing it so much with you guys. So that's where I stand on it. I... I I think apps and online implementations kind of kill physical copies for me in general. I, I really don't feel that way. Like, I feel like I like owning the physical copy and bringing it out in person because like, even though I don't know, I mean, so much of board games is a physicality of it and getting it on the table. And like, I think also like playing stuff on BGA, like a lot of the time I'm half asking it, right? Like, Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I think what I'm, what, what I'm sitting at the table playing with someone, like, there's a lot more just, like, discussion of, like, an understanding of the rules or instead of, like, kind of, like, blending through it or whatever, whatever it's called. Um, and just, like, trying to make it work even though you may not really understand it. But I think, like, I don't know, the the physical presence and being at the table with friends elevates, like, a game that you can play on BGA for me. Um, so I think, like, Mythic Mission on top of it just being like a really great production, I think it's a game that um, I would definitely want to bring out in person more, especially since mm-hmm. I think like you mentioned, Max, like I think as we get better at this game, like this and our skill improves, like I think like we can knock out games pretty quickly. So I also think we might just be like more into it. 
Yeah. Like at this point in time, we're kind of like, I, I I wouldn't say stumbling through it because we know how to play the game, but like, especially when we're trying out new factions, it's like, what does this do? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And now that like we're playing on the app when we get together, like competition is going to be higher. Like we're going to be like more engaged and more like I'm ready to crush you, Kenny. This isn't no, (laughs) this isn't no like trial game now. Like we've had practice. This is for real. Say your grandma's missing. Like the game is so different. Like at three or four players as well. Like the the possibility of comboing between the different factions is so, is like, I think as a, incredible incredibly yeah. different element to the game so i love I th- the team play yeah that might be something like we explore more in person so yeah totally agreed and uh to add my two cents to the digital thing i really think it depends on the game uh for example one of the games we're going to talk about here shortly castles of burgundy i could play that digital 24 7 and still That's be great completely example. happy to pull it out physically <laughs> and play it uh, yeah. it is not one that like runs its course for me digitally to where i feel like i don't need to play it physically all right you might have got right. me on that one yeah I'm, gl- I'm glad i got you um one thing before we move on to the movie that i've been watching um i am curious this is i want to clarify this is 100 percent speculation we have no idea their intentions moving forward with the application but i am under the assumption that mythic mischief will be a paid app when it officially launches and they probably will like divide it up under like volume one, volume two, and expansions. And like, I mean, I'll go ahead and put my money where my mouth is. I frankly don't care. I mean, okay, within reason, don't care how much it costs. I'll probably buy it all, except for maybe like the ghosts. If they're sold separately, like you can, you can keep the ghosts. But like, I'm super excited about that. Is this a game that I know we're all enjoying the beta, but it's free? right now is this a game that you all would pay money for on your phone 100 percent. yeah probably within reason like you said um i have the um i have the unmatched digital Mm -hmm. app and i think that was like seven dollars and then like fifteen dollars for the like or ten to fifteen for the first wave of dlc um and that's something that i almost exclusively play against the ai i don't play against other people Mm -hmm. on it so if i got the experience i've been getting with this app for around that same price then like absolutely that would be obviously i have no idea i would expect like ten dollars for the base game ten dollars for volume two and three dollars per expansion character or something like this is we have no idea i don't even know if it's gonna cost money i'm just (laughs) i'm just speculating here All right, now on to the movie that I've been watching. I actually watched this a a little while ago. My movie watching has been slowed down this past week. But I recently watched The Truman Show, which is a 1998 film with Jim Carrey, um, considered to be one of the the great performances by Jim Carrey, and honestly, a pretty classic movie. Um, Definitely a blind spot in my movie watching history. But I finally got around to it. Uh, If you don't know what The Truman Show is, it's about a guy whose entire life is basically TV. And he is the only person who doesn't realize that. Everyone else is in on it. His mom, his dad, his partner, stuff like that. And you just get to watch that unfold. Um, I know that I talked to Danielle about this, who she had watched this movie before. And it's like, she just doesn't like it because it's like sad. Like, like she doesn't like to watch people be tricked, which like I, I kind of get, but it's a movie, right? And like he ultimately, you know, never mind, spoiler warnings, but 
I was a big fan of uh, the Truman Show. I really, really liked it. I don't know if it's sitting at a four or four and a half for me. I genuinely forgot, but big fan of the movie, big fan of Jim Carrey's role. Uh, I just thought it was really entertaining. It wasn't like there was nothing in the Truman Show that really blew me away. But as a whole, the experience that I had watching it was just a very good one. I'm not sure if that's solid. Yeah, like that's that's what I feel. It's a very solid movie. I I really liked it, but it didn't like it didn't inspire me. It didn't it didn't and make a great me premise. Yeah, no, the premise is great. Yeah, agreed. It is a very intriguing film. Uh, big fan of it, but not one that like has jumped into my top tens or anything. I think like the thing that's really remarkable about the Truman Show is like this was made in like 1998, so right. It's it's really progressive and like forward thinking for its time um given the age we're in where like you can just live or stream live stream yourself living your life going to the grocery store or whatever ice cream um, so good yeah <laughs> gang gang <laughs> so you haven't seen this one josh is this one that you're intrigued about at all or yeah no this is a movie that i've wanted to watch for a long time and i know it's a classic i just haven't ever got around to it and it's on our list right for, for this time yeah, so I'll 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 watch. Will it. you? I'm looking forward to it. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Will you? There's still like I don't how many you. how many how many movies from last movie? How many movies are on our list? Wait, 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 wait. How how many movies are on our list in twelve? Okay, so there's a ten out of twelve chance that I'll watch this movie. Have you skipped two every list? Is that how this goes? Uh, so far. Wow. The first list doesn't count. Wow. <laughs> so I do plan on going back. So and of watching the one those, list, though, for real, <laughs> you have skipped two of them. This is yeah, this is BGBO list number three. Is it? And one of them was mine. Yeah, this is number three. Oh, interesting. I, I think we weren't as public about it with number one, but this is our number three list. But anyway, right. no, I I didn't really participate in the first yeah, list you at didn't, all. Well, or the second. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! For our feature topic, we're going to be discussing Castles of Burgundy. This is a 2011 board game designed by Stefan Feld and published by Alea or Ravensburger. And uh, it is currently seated at the number 17 overall game of all time on Board Game Geek, which I didn't even realize. So that's kind of exciting. Um, we're going to talk about our experience with the game, both the original as well as the a uh, reprint that has been updated by Awaken Realms. They've added expansions and solo modes and new designs and all that stuff. We're going to talk about if we like it or not, where it ranks, whether we think it's top 10 or top 50 or we don't like it at all. We're going to talk about our limited experiences with the expansions and also the new edition. But before we jump into those, Kyle, can you give us a brief introduction on Castles of Burgundy? Yeah, so... Burgundy was discovered by the Germans in 1902, and <laughs> Burgundy, of course, translates to a whale's vagina. How long have you, you been waiting on that? Just so Forever. you know, it was, it, wanna, was wanna... it was 1904, Kyle. Dang it! Are you kidding me? I missed it by two years! All right. Well, I could be wrong, Reset. but I believe uh, Burgundy is an old, old wooden ship that was used during the Civil War era. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line so much. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, that, that's. A great I doubt one, the network sure. cares about an old old wood ship, but nice try. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll give you the real breakdown of Castles of Burgundy. Uh, so the Castles of Burgundy is a point salad game where you're going to get points for doing pretty much everything. Uh, it is a 
dice game where you're going to roll two dice and then you're going to do one of four actions. You're either going to get a tile, you're going to play a tile, you're going to obtain workers to make your dice uh, or to be able to manipulate your dice, or you're going to sell your goods for money and points. And there are six different types of tiles you're buying. You're buying animals, which just gets you points. You're buying buildings, which give you a one-time benefit. Uh, you're buying yellow tiles, which give you like an ongoing benefit or in-game scoring. Uh, you have mines, which get you money. And you have uh, ships, which get you the goods and manipulate turn order. And then finally, you have castle tiles, which give you a wild action and give you one extra dice of your choosing. Uh, so, yeah, on your it's a very simple game. Uh, you're playing 25 rounds total, and you're just trying to combo buying these tiles and doing more than 25 actions. Because the more you do, the better you're going to get and the more points you're going to score. And it's kind of a, a solo experience other than... You are Ooh, really racing. Well, hold on. You are playing onto your own map, but you are really racing towards these bonus tiles because, like, once you fill out an entire color, you score that bonus tile. And depending on the player count, it's going to be four points, five points, six points, whatever it is. Um, and so you're racing towards those. You're also really racing for uh, certain tiles. Like, if I see jash wants a certain building and it's in the two slot but i also want that building i better grab that now even if it makes me spend a worker and workers are kind of hard to come by uh so there is like there's definitely some stuff going around where it's like where you have some player interaction uh but in general it is a solo game you can play this game and play it well without caring what other people do yeah i guess that's true but you'd be playing it wrong I feel like so much of this game is about the interaction with like what you take on the board or the race for completing certain things or taking a mine because someone else really needs that mine, even if you don't have a place to put it yet. Like I, I look at the board, the other player boards so much during Castle Burgundy and what other people have ready to place out on the board, how close they are to finishing certain sections. Mm -hmm. It to me, like, I guess you could play it solo or well, I mean, you certainly can in the new version, but by that, I mean, I guess you could only focus on yourself, but I love the interaction that castles of Burgundy provides because it's not directly like fighty, but at the same time, there's so much like hate drafty or strategical elements where you're playing off of one another that to me adds a lot to the game. So before I let Josh and Kenny go on, because like, I just want to mention like, you're, you're right, Max. That's what I look for too, is that interaction. But, the reason I say you can play it solo and do well is because my one buddy who I play this game a lot with, it's one of his favorite games in all board games. He does not care what anybody else does. He is very single minded and that he's like just thinking about how can I do better? And he has won 61% of the castles of Burgundy games he's played. And so that's, Oh wow. He does not care about what I take or what I need or what anybody else is doing. He just does his thing and he is very, very good at the game. So that's why I'm just saying like, it can sure. be one that way yeah and i play the game with my own interests at mind for the most part but like i'll always be paying attention to what other people do uh, like like when we last played i was really struck by just how often like we would someone would take us how before i was gonna grab it or when or like i would take something before jash needed it that happened a lot a every lot time in our game um and just i mean that's not like direct interaction but like it's just it's something that's constantly um, confounding your plans, right? And I mean, it's not pure interaction, but it, you definitely feel the presence of other people at the table, just 
wrecking your life. Yeah, and that's something that, like, I feel like I played it differently in person than I do online. I think when we play it over BGA, it is a whole lot more, like, um, I guess, solitaire for me. I'm not paying as much attention, which is ironic because I feel like that's when I have the time availability to look at other people's stuff as much as I want and not be obvious about it. But when we were in person, I was noticing a lot more when Kenny would take the stuff that I need, when uh, Doolin was getting close to completing a section before me. And I really wanted to get it first because I had the thing that let you score for um, completing sections um, like the yellow tile that gives you like four extra when you have the thing you get for completing a section first. So I feel like I get two different experiences from when I play um, online versus in person, but it's that doing it for my just based on me versus paying attention to what everyone else is doing. I will say there's like uh, definitely a race for mines and there's a race for the castle tiles. Uh, but no matter oh what gosh. your strategy is, it's like people. So I, I like actively avoid mines at this point. Like if you guys want to go for them, go for them. I will find other ways to make money. Yeah, mines are seemingly always the, <laughs> the first tiles yeah, off. The I board. basically had to do that when we played because I was fourth of four and the mines were already gone by the time it got to my first turn every single time. Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it is for me in our online game right now. I was like, I looked at the board and I was like, I could get all the mines this turn, but it's the last round. And I was like, that's worth two points <laughs> I, like, I do not need to do that right now like i'll just worry about other stuff i'm i'm over the binds i don't need them anymore yeah I, I, that's like one of my pauses i have with the game is just like there's a lot of just strategies that are just kind of baked into it and i think like stuff like the mines are something that people will constantly go for every single time and i don't know it does seem like very strong strategy to go for especially since it's basically like a free buy action if you have the, the money for it um, I don't know. So that's one thing I don't like about the games. Like there, there's definitely strategies that I think are strong and people tend to gravitate towards uh, continually. I mean, if you if like, if like you're like Kyle and you like work around it, uh, that, that all seems like a negative <laughs> in general. You know what I mean? All right. So let's talk about briefly our experience with the game. Just, I don't mean like, Oh, did we like it or not? We'll talk about that in a minute, but like how many times have we played it? What, situations or additions that we played it stuff like that um and i'll start and say that castle burgundy is one of my most played games of all time the vast majority of which coming over board game arena um but i have played it at least a half dozen times with the basic version and we have recently played the reprint by awaken realms including the vineyard expansion uh we have not played with some of the other available expansions or the solo mode and i'm very excited to get into that uh, but I have a lot of experience with the game as a whole and a very limited experience with this new version. Uh, I, as far as player counts go, I've probably played it every single player count, two, three, and four. And I'd be curious to know what your all's favorite player counts are when we get to that point. Um, so I think Castle Burgundy is like one of the first like pure Euros I got into. Like it was just so highly recommended when I was getting into board games by like, you know, all the YouTube channels like Dice Tower and whatnot. Um, so it was like, I, I kind of dove into it and I've probably played in person probably about the same, like probably seven, eight, seven or eight times. It is, it's become like the Euro. I introduce people that it's become like my introductory Euro that I'll show to people, um, who aren't necessarily familiar with it, even though it's kind of like a step above, like a 
um, a lightweight game. Um, I, I find like the flow of the game just kind of makes sense. And like once you, once it clicks for people, it really clicks and I can see like the enjoyment um, kind of wash over them as they understand the mechanics and how they can make combos and how satisfying that can be. Um, so yeah, it's, I, yeah, it's, it's one I've been playing for a while. I remember when I first got it too, like I, I didn't have anyone to play with because I was like, this is like a step above like the play group I had at the time. So I remember playing with like, um, uh, unofficial solo rules at the time just to learn it and stuff like that. And I was like, even that play I was like, Oh wow, this is something special. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, same. I've been playing this game for a long time. It was also one of the first games I got into because it was like a lot of people talked about, uh, Castle of Burgundy. It was like, I, it was probably in the top 10 at the time when I first bought it. It was also $20 on Amazon. The, the original Alea version, which yeah. is not great. Uh, the components <laughs> are terrible. The graphic design is terrible. Um, you like I had to print off uh, a cheat sheet and like laminate it so I knew what all the buildings and science tiles did because like I just did not understand the iconography, um, and it still it still uh, still ruled. Uh, the game was awesome. I have played over thirty times between in person and BGA. A lot of that has been in person. I played the Alea ver- the original Alea version a whole bunch, um, and then it came to BGA and I played with you guys a few times and I've played the the new Awakened Realms version two or three times. Um, and I will always be down to play Castles of Burgundy. It is, it is that perfect Euro game that allows you to be clever, uh, like half the turns, and then you're going to have half those turns where you're like, take I I spend a dice to take a worker and I spend a dice to mm-hmm. uh, sell one good, and you're like, oh my god, I just wasted <laughs> those ten percent of the game. Yeah, <laughs> run it back. <laughs> you feel so stupid because you can't do anything else. <laughs> you're just like, I, I'm really gonna sell one good for three points. All right, I guess I'm gonna. <laughs> but yeah, I the Castles of Burgundy is just it's a master class in design. It's one of those games that I think is just like it's not necessarily my favorite game. It's not even in my top ten, but it is it is a perfectly designed game. Yeah, I just went and checked my board game arena or my board game stats. This is since I've been tracking, which is less than two years. I've got 40, 40 plays of Castle of Burgundy. Now, again, oh a lot gosh. of that's online. A lot of that's online. But it's uh, right. still a lot of plays. Beyond Root and Lorcana, it is my most played game. So third most played behind those two. My my first time playing this uh, was with you, Max, a couple of years ago. And I I remember that play happened, but I remember literally nothing else about it. Um, And then I started playing on BGA with kyle and kenny and we did a game where i literally just clicked the entire time like i got like sort of the beats of how the game worked i knew that i could click on things and i matched numbers that i rolled to the numbers that uh they got placed on and i scored some points and that was about it and then um they told me you guys told me a little bit more about the rules so then the second playthrough i did a little bit better, but I still didn't fully understand everything. But then after that was when we played uh, the Awakened Realms version in person. And that's when I finally learned all the last rules that I was missing. Um, and I really started enjoying the game once I was actually playing it the way. Uh, well, once I knew how to play it completely. And since then, the game has just really taken off for me. I haven't won a game yet, but <laughs> I I feel like I'm always somewhat in the running, um, which is really 
all I can ask you're for. You're doing really you know, well in this I'm game, aren't you? Yeah, you're doing well. Right I'm actually, uh, I'm optimistic about the game we're in right now. I'm in three games of this <laughs> right now. Um, I'm in uh, the a four-player game, um, a three-player game, and a two-player game with Jeff, uh, which is currently on hold because he hasn't played me back in like three days. Um, but I, this game is really like coming alive for me and I see it being one that I play frequently for a while. You know what you should do to get your first win is just skip uh, Jeff's turn, um, and just take that, take that W, you know? <laughs> oh my God, please do that. Please uh, do it. It'd be so funny. That would be hysterical. Yeah. Jeff would not play games on BGA with me for the longest time because admittedly I was a lot worse at taking turns in the past, but I finally got him to play games with me and then he went on vacation, hasn't taken a turn in days. <laughs> so I think that that would be hilarious Ironic. and cathartic to just skip his turn <laughs> and win that way. Obviously, I think it's pretty clear we all like this game. Um, so I'm going to skip that question. We all like it. What is your favorite player count that you are aware of, Kyle? Uh, it's got to be two for me. Yeah. Um, I think at, at three, I will play three. And I've actually played four. I've played four, my last two plays. Non-BGA have been at four. I do think it runs a little long. And uh, my group in particular on Tuesdays, the one that I've been playing Castle of the Burgundy with, have massive AP. And so, like, Oof. your time between turns is just so long. Like, there's been times where, like, I've taken a turn, went upstairs, took my dog outside, and sat with him until he took a crap came back and it was not yet my turn and it's just like what are we doing <laughs> it's like what are we doing there's only a few things you can do all the dice tell you what actions you have available to you yeah <laughs> that's don't... that's pretty brutal <laughs> so like i i i do not prefer to play it for it's fine on bga because obviously like you can take your time and the async stuff but i would much prefer it too it just it's so much smoother uh, I tend to like it at three the most, um, especially in BGA. For some reason, I always spin up a game at three instead of four. I don't know. Um, but I do agree at four tends, does tend to go pretty long, um, but it is, it is a great game at two as well. So, Yeah. I don't know that I have a, a favorite. I'm I'm with Kenny. Three and two is where I... I'll play four, no problem. We played it in person. It was long. I'll play a BGA on to all the time. Whatever. It doesn't bother me, but I definitely prefer my plays at three and two. Yeah, I think I'd prefer four on BGA specifically um, over in person. Um, and three, I think, is my favorite player count. And I think just like the, the push and pull um, between three, I feel like is better than four. And like the fight on the initiative track, I feel like is a little more. I don't know if balanced is the right word, but I, I it like matters that a lot better more. three as well. Yeah, it matters yeah. a whole bunch more going first in a four player game. Especially near the end of a phase, really like racing to get a certain tile. I think so. Interestingly enough, I I focus on uh, ships in a two player game, and I do not care about ships in a four player game. That's very interesting. Not to say I'm right. I very well could be wrong, but like I I value going first in a two player game much more highly than I do value going first in a four player game. I I think going first late in the game is so crucial in a four player game. Yeah, like, that's fair. I, there's like points where like I just don't get ships in phases one and two, and then like that way I can have room for ships later. Yeah, to try to catch back up. That's what Kenny did in our four player game. Kenny had no ships in the first like three rounds, and then he took took the lead on the initiative order like the fourth and fifth round and it was because crazy. that's when you have less that's when you have less flexibility yeah. there's like things you need that makes to sense. do that makes sense good call i'll implement that 
All right. If you know, or even if you don't know, just guesstimate, where do you think Castles of Burgundy ranks in your top games of all time list? Jash, let's start with you. Um, I haven't really put too, too much thought into it. So I would say probably at least 25, maybe above 20. Kyle? Um, I will say, so this was a game. Uh, I know this was like an easy question. I'm going to go into a diatribe, though. Uh, this was a game that was in my top 10 for a very long time. And then I played it a lot, and I was kind of sick of the bad components and all of that. And it, it probably dipped a little bit. But now with the new Beautiful Awakened Realms version, and it's actually like fun to look at and fun to mess with, and it's got those acrylic tiles, I bet it's probably in my top 20. Again, like it, it probably fell to like, like 30 or 40 range, and it's in my top 20 now. It's got to be. Kenny? Uh, it's, it's been like consistent top 10 for me. And I think like having this, like this version of it is going to definitely cement it in the top 10 for sure. Mine, uh, I think the last time I did a full ranking, uh, except for my most recent one, it was, it was certainly top 10. I think my most recent one, it was somewhere between 15 and 20. Um, but I've been playing a lot more on BGA again and this new version. I think it's cemented a top 10 for me. I don't know where it is, but like, I love this game. <laughs> it just it continues to rise and it continues to shine and you know maybe maybe top 5 eventually. I I really don't know. I just it's it's so good in my opinion. All right, let's talk briefly about the expansions. Now, the Awaken Realms edition that just came out, the special edition added shields, it added paths, it added um the vineyard expansion and something else that I'm misremembering off the top of my head but several things that you can include in the game as well as a solo mode. I don't think any of us have any experience with the expansions except for the Vineyard expansion. So our conversation is going to be limited to that. Um, But I will say I've heard many good things about all the expansions based off my BGG research. Oh, the other expansions being the two new building tiles, the one new animal that counts as wild, and the white castles that I have not played with yet. We did use the two new building tiles as well as the geese um, in our play of the expansion. So we did use those. But personally, I was a big fan of all of them. I think the geese are an auto-include. I don't see any reason to take those out. I have no problem at all. I think the buildings are probably an auto-include for me as well. The crane. um, I think that that's a, a fantastic addition as well as just making it ever so slightly easier to complete those large sections of buildings because you have one more diverse building because one of the main rules is you cannot have two of the same unless you have that particular science tile. Uh, The white castles I've heard are most people consider to be an auto include. Yeah. And then I think that they're good. Okay. And then I think that everyone has said all the expansions are good, but like they've been picking one from the remaining three, the paths, the shields, the vineyards, like, pick one and roll with it. They're all good. So we've only played with the Vineyards as far as I know. But what did you all think about the Vineyards expansion? Oh, I liked it a lot. Um, I think it gave you a lot of options. And, like, it was very enticing to use the Vineyard, pull from the Vineyard tiles, just because they gave you quite a lot. Um, and, if you know, if you're able to kind of create, like, the pass for it, you're able to score quite a bit of points. I think that's how I won mm-hmm. um, the game we played. Because I, I focused on that pretty pretty heavily early on. I was able to kind of, like get the right colors I needed, um, which is kind of like a different puzzle in itself. Um, but yeah, I, I do like that because like, you know, if you play like base game, like when you kind of get down to the end rounds, you're just pulling 
crap we don't want or you know you're just okay i'm gonna get some workers i guess but with the vineyards you at least have the option of like possibly um getting more i guess more bang for your buck uh, which is you know always feels good in euro yeah i really like the vineyard expansion too um i think one of the more fun things about it is that it's like a double hex pile so it takes up two-thirds of your spot and so like not when you acquire one like you need to get that thing played asap because that those spots i don't know about you guys i like to hoard tiles as much as possible in my in my bank so i can always have something to play when it gets to my turn and man i those i had a grape sit in my sit in my depot for a long time and it was just like killer because i couldn't get a die a die to like place it down where i needed it to because like kenny said you need to group those colors together to score big and you only have a few times to do that like you can't like waste where you place those grapes um so i really enjoyed it i don't know if i would play with it every game but i think like every other like when you're playing live is a good addition yeah um what out of our play i was probably the one who interacted with the uh vineyard expansion the least i think i only ended up having two of the grape tiles placed by the end of it but um i felt the same way that you did kyle about the double hex i thought that that was a cool and unique way to take the mechanics and like add that urgency because otherwise you're just going to clog up the things that you can't do um and then you can end up getting screwed over by the dice rolls that the um, tile gets placed down so it's like you really have to be ready to use it when you get it, um, which I thought was um, a good way to implement it. Yeah, I I really liked it. Um, I kind of with Kyle, I'm not sure if it's an auto include. I really want to try the other ones first. And I don't think I want to include all of them in yeah. one game because that just seems like too much. Uh, but I really, really enjoyed it. What I read on Board Game Geeks, a lot of people really liked it, but they said that it's kind of one of those expansions that you're forced to dip into heavily if someone else is dipping into heavily, which we didn't really like, I will say Kenny dipped into it more than anyone and also won our game of Castle Burgundy, but it wasn't like a runaway lead, nor did I feel like, Oh, that vineyard won him the game, which I mean, it did because we scored it last. So literally it won you the game, but that's only because of how we <laughs> scored it. Um, but it's one of those things that like, I'm interested to see with more plays. I really liked it and I'm excited to play with it again to kind of dip my toe in even farther and, and utilize it even more and try and get those big scoring strings of, of light colored grapes. Um, and I think it just adds another element to the game. It's just, I think you mentioned it, Kenny, that like it almost, it, it almost makes the game a little more friendly because you just have more options. And the bonuses are really good. Dice. Yeah. And the bonuses are very nice. Yeah. So, like, you have... It is brutal because it takes up two slots. But, like, you know, I love Castle of Burgundy. And I love its added element of randomness. I'm a big fan of randomness in games to some extent. But, sure, absolutely, there are turns where my die rolls stunk. Even with the Vineyard expansions, I'm like, this is the worst <laughs> but the vineyard expansion gives you at least one more element to spend your dice on yeah. that you may not have otherwise so it makes it even a little more lenient and a little less punishing if you get a bad die roll or or whether it's more unlikely to get a die roll that you feel like you can't do anything with because you have more options to spend your die on so big fan of it 
I, again, I want to play with the other expansions first before I name it an auto-include. Um, but I'll see when I when I get more time for the other expansions, kind of how it ranks and, and which ones I feel like I'm going to play with all the time. I definitely feel like the crane and the geese are auto-includes. I think they only add to the game. I have zero problem with ever not including them. I think they're great little tiles that just add little tiny wrinkles to the game that I think are really great. Um, and then, uh, yeah. What do you all think about those and White Castles for you, Kyle? Yeah, the White Castles. Yeah, White, oh, White Castle. Kyle is a big White fan Castle of White Castle. Food he is loves delicious, it. Man. They're very slow in the drive-thru, though. It's really infuriating. That's a, that's a different story. Um, the White Castle tile, I don't know if you guys know what it does, but it just like when you place it, you get to take an action of whatever the white dies number was. So, I mean, it's like a worse version of a castle um, because it okay. tells you what number to use. Um, but it's And it just gets placed in a building yeah, area? Yeah, so it's just another unique building, okay. which is a good thing, right? I <clears throat> I do, like, Max, I think you mentioned that you liked that there were, like, more unique buildings because it gives you a little bit more leniency. I think one of the cool things about the buildings, though, is because you are, you can't do that. So, like, I kind of like the tightness of the buildings, like, be not having those extra buildings in there um specifically like on right. the map well that's on the maps that give you like huge building chunks where it's like you have to get all six or all seven to even score it um it's like do you go it's really like a push your luck do you go for it or do you not because like you could easily get screwed out of not, not, not completing that and wasting your entire game that's one of the complaints i heard about the uh white castles um but I felt like at least for the crane, like there's only what one or two cranes in the entire yeah. bag. Like I, I feel like that's a perfect addition. Uh, that's completely fine to have in the game. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you that some games you may want to fill up your board more. And so you use all the tiles that you can and other games you may want to feel like it's a little tighter and more difficult to, to fill that up and, and maybe a stronger puzzle. So I like that they're, you know, you can take them in, you can leave them uh, in, I'm gonna whatever. Leave them in. I'm going to leave them in. Like, there's no, yeah. It's not worth, like, uns- like taking them out of the, bi- the building bag to me and, like, sorting them out. Sure. Can we take a sidebar real quick and get a, a, a consensus on White Castle as a fast food restaurant? Uh, breakfast, freaking really? amazing. They have, they have really else, good coffee. Absolutely they have terrible. Really good coffee. White Castle is the last thing I want to put in my body at like 8 a.m. No, no. Listen, <laughs> listen. Okay. White Castle's breakfast is one of the best fast food breakfasts, oh, breakfasts that you Taco can Taco Bell is also right, very good. Is, they are breakfast sliders. Okay. So it's on. literally just like a bun and then you can get like sausage, the White Castle bacon. Bun. Not, like a, not, yeah, like, a, not and, like a biscuit, correct, but like a correct, sandwich a bun. bun. Okay. Yes, and you can get sausage, bacon, or uh, fried bologna. Oh God! And yeah. it comes what? with cheese. Fried bologna it slider comes... at eight Listen, o'clock I don't in get the that. morning. I'm a, I'm a bacon guy. Ah, sausage but all the way. You get you get go bacon, back to bed after cheese, eating that. and a freshly cracked egg, and then you add some of their Dusseldorf mustard on it. It is the best breakfast sandwich you can get. Like. Hardy's way too salty. McDonald's, meh. I'm they're, a firm they're believer Mc- in McDonald's bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. Uh, McDonald's breakfast yeah, is overrated. I, I agree. They're still good. Like, give me the McGriddles, yeah, in McGriddles my opinion. 
Taco Bell's breakfasts are good. Wendy's breakfast is uh, good. That but breakfast like, crunch wrap, though. A uh, a bacon, egg, and cheese breakfast slider from from White Castle is probably my favorite fast food breakfast sandwich. Anything else, though, I don't want it. I'll take their sweet tea, their chocolate shakes, and their Listen, breakfast. In the morning? And I want nothing to do with any... No, oh, in general. Okay. okay. And I want nothing to do with their normal sliders. Oh, they're so good. No, thank they're you. They're caked in onions. No, thank I, you. So, it's so good. So White Castle isn't really a thing in the West Coast. So, like, for most of my life, I White Castle was not a thing. When I moved out here, uh, I had it for the first time, and you know, it's like, oh, this is, you know, fun and unique. But then every single time after I had it, it's like, I just had this pit in my stomach. It's like, this was a terrible idea. I felt like a, a stone was just growing. Have you done a crepe case yet? Yeah, I think so. Ooh. That's the first time we tried it. <laughs> 30 <laughs> it sliders, baby. Super, so bad. I, I, I'm not a fan. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm. See, what's the, there's an Anchorman quote that fits for you've made a terrible mistake. Oh, milk what is milk a terrible a choice. choice. White Castle was a terrible choice. Yeah, milk yeah. was a bad choice. <laughs> so damn hot. Yeah, that would. <laughs> I'm in a crave case of emotion. Oh, and, and I immediately there, regret Josh. this decision. <laughs> you can also use boy that, es- that escalated quickly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It did, didn't it? As you waddle to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. To to me, White Castle is the thing that like I would get like every every like six months or every year and be like, hey, I'm gonna go make a terrible decision. It's gonna <laughs> taste good for like a little bit, and I'm gonna feel awful. But this is that's the mood I'm in right now. Yeah, it's been like a year since I've had White Castle, and I'm pretty proud of myself. And I think we're gonna try to stick to that. Yeah. So it sounds like it's about time to have it again. We're getting in Columbus when you guys come up. Try their breakfast i need to get I'm a second serious. opinion on this i need someone to get this i am curious it. about the breakfast now that you've talked so highly about it listen so. guys here's what we're gonna do it's, it's the most real tasting fast food breakfast around. you're coming to columbus we're having white castle for breakfast and we're having skyline for <laughs> I lunch literally can't. White castle for <laughs> lunch. skyline for lunch and then <laughs> we're gonna feel terrible for dinner got it and then <laughs> yeah then we're gonna all be in bed crying ourselves to sleep at six o'clock you dinner guys time will be fine yeah, you've got the gut to that's hang around true, in Columbus. True. You eat that skyline shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't get the skyline crazy. hate. I like skyline. Bro, it. Oh my god. Three, three to one. This, is, this right. is a fast food podcast now. <laughs> After that tangent, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Specifically, let's briefly discuss the the new edition. We've already talked about it a little bit. Obviously, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to look at. It's nice to have in your hands with the like physicality that it adds being a, the either the like miniatures or the acrylic tiles. Um, I think that the biggest complaint for me is that I wish that they had the like examples of what they did on the bottom of the acrylic tiles, much like they do on the bottom of the cardboard tiles. But it's a game where you're often going to be looking at the player like references anyways. There's so many things and abilities that, you know, it'll take a while to get to really familiarize yourself with it. But Anything in particular other than the aesthetics with the new expansion that you all dig so much? I mean, like the thing of like the biggest attractor of Castles of Burgundy for so long has been the aesthetics. Like it's and especially the first printing of the game yes. was aggressively ugly. It got a little bit better when they did the reprint like in 2018, 2019. Did it though? A did little it bit. get better? I don't think it got any better. Yeah, I really don't. Felt a little bit better. Listen. I actually, I went and pulled up my review for Castle Burgundy at Board Game Geek, which I did adjust my ranking. It was a nine. I put it at a 10. My ranking says, I always enjoy playing this game. It's a bit slow. It's a lot ugly, but it's always fun. 
I would play this game even more if it wasn't so bland and daunting for new players. It's not that the game is awfully hard to teach, but I think the combination of that and the art makes this a can we play something else instead candidate for the decades. Only reason it's for trade is because I intend to purchase the revised version coming later this year. A, that revised version sucked. I did not purchase it. <laughs> I just didn't own Castles of Burgundy for a long time. But B, I, I mean, I totally agree in that the art, like, yes, it's prettier to look at, but it's also just, I can see myself playing it more often and with non-gamers or people that haven't played it before <laughs> than before. Because it's really hard to pull out a game like Orléans or Concordia Orléans. or Castles of Burgundy and just expect someone who is not a board gamer to even give you the time of day to learn it. Those games aren't hard and they will appeal to a vast majority of people. But when they look at that, it tunes them out instantly. So I think that I'm with you that the art, you know, it's pretty to look at, but it's functional in the sense that you're going to get it played more often too. Yeah. And like, I think like the components are like a, of such a high quality that it draws you in to want to play it more just because, I mean, it's just like a joy to play with like the pieces and the acrylic, you know, the minis and the acrylic bits and stuff. Like, I think they had a really good job of like, bleeding it out to like an excessive degree but like the right degree um while i'm not going at least in the like if you got the, the without uh, i'll say the mini expansion stuff i think is like a bridge too far like i did not, I agree i did not back that stuff but i haven't looked at it uh in person yet um but i mean i, I think like they did a really good job of like hitting the right spots with the production for what i want out of like a game like castle of the burgundy and like it makes me excited that like hopefully they do more stuff like this. Like I would love to have like a lot of these classic Euros like yes. um produced to like this really high degree. Like the Euros like I'm always gonna have in my collection. I would absolutely throw down cash for like a really, really nice production of like, I don't know, like um like a feast for Odin. Trajan. Yeah, Trajan. Yeah, or- yeah. This is the thing, like with Castles of Burgundy, Kenny, and like you were like getting there, it's like this game deserves it. Right, mm-hmm. like this is this is a hundred dollar game without the aesthetic. I think I, yeah. the game is worth a hundred dollars yeah. to me. So, like, make it deluxified if you're going to do that. Like, don't give us like crap. Like, the game was worth playing when it was twenty dollars and like made of paper. <laughs> so, like, it's worth deluxifying, and I think that's where some people are getting like, or not people, but like companies are getting like, a little bit lost. Like, we need to deluxify this. Everything people love deluxe. No, we love good games, and then deluxify them. Because, like, Castles of Burgundy yeah. deserves it. It is worth paying the money. Agreed. What's your, what is your favorite thing about Castles of Burgundy? I love that I go into every game with a similar strategy in mind. But the game is so tactical in that, like, with the dice rolls, that you can't do the same thing every, round, every game. Like, so I mm-hmm. go into every yeah. game wanting to get animals. And wanting to do, like, get two or three yellow tiles that match whatever else I'm doing. But then I'm sitting in the third round, and I have two animal tiles, and I've gone heavy building, and I have, like, five, five ships. And I'm like, what the, how the hell did this happen? Because I was not trying to do this. <laughs> I think that's what I really like about the game. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, you're, you're really forced to go off your planned path just because you have so little control over the dice rolls. Uh, I think probably like my favorite thing is just there comes a point in the game, usually halfway through three to four of the game, like where you just make that big, big play. Like, I don't know, like you combo a few things together and you jump like 30, 40 points on the, on the, mm-hmm. the, the track and those feelings that, that 
always feels really good. Just like when you, when your plan finally comes together and you're kind of like able to make that big jump is, I think is just one of the great uh, parts of the game. Cause you know, you're always getting points, but like getting those big points gains uh, always feels good. Yeah. People have forgotten you're a competitor and then yeah. you complete a seven mm-hmm. building section or they look down and you have a four cow on your board and two four cows in your reserve and a three cow on the table you're about to pick up and everybody is just like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> like, stuff's about to get bad. Yeah, I'm, I completely agree that the tacticalness of it all is just so much fun. It's one of those games that like, I ha- yeah, like Kyle said, you have a plan, but you have to be willing to just throw that out the window. Um, and I just love that. I was going to specifically mention like the element of, of randomness. I think a lot of people are so anti-random when it comes to games. And like, I am perfectly happy to play a game like this or like Ark Nova with a random deck or something like that that makes you, you know, pivot on your heels. It makes you lean into what the gods have given you rather than going in every turn and be like, I'm going to get this and I'm going to get this. Um, and to me, those games are probably the games I enjoy the most, just that you kind of have to go with what you've been dealt and do your best with it. So I like it sent. It's <laughs> Musk. And you know what? When I think when this is over, I think me and Castles of Burgundy should get an apartment together. Josh. Josh, why don't you sit a couple plays out? <laughs> <laughs> just just stop saying everything that uh, pops the old noggin there. Uh, for me, I like the thing. I, I just like that I always feel like I'm doing something. I'm Even doing if it's a turn something. Where I'm not sco- scoring a lot. Sometimes I'm just placing buildings because it's helping me get to the stuff that I'm actually trying to fill in. So it's like, no matter what I'm doing, I feel like I'm always making progress towards something. Yeah, the fact that you can't just place down something in your in your uh, duchy wherever you want, like you have to build off and spread out. Yeah, that that adds a lot to it, I think, in my opinion as well. Okay. Is it time? It's Panda Watch. it's time. Are we ready? This is going to be it, guys. Okay. (laughs) You all, listen, I've read the reviews. I've looked at the feedback section. You all have been clamoring for an episode where Max does not talk as much. Well, from here on out, you've got it, folks. I don't know that I have near as much to say or quote about this movie as they do, but it's time to start talking about Anchorman, and I think that Jash might be the best person to introduce it to you. Okay, so this is a movie where after Max made us watch a two-hour movie that felt like four (laughs) hours, he somehow fell asleep twice watching this movie at separate times. I did. This is a comedy from the 2000s, starring Will Ferrell, Christina Applegate, uh, 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 I almost said the Steve character's Carell. name, it's, uh, Paul Rudd, Steve Carell, uh, I don't, what's the guy David who plays Kechner. Whammy Boy? I don't know the actor's name. David Koechner, um, about people at a news station, and it's a funny movie, and they tackle sexism, and the crime of punting dogs <laughs> off of bridges and throwing burritos at people. Someone punted him? Credible movie. Max, give us your thoughts. It's a three. Listen, it's a three. We know it. It's going to be so disappointing. He didn't even finish the movie. Yes, I did. 
I did finish the movie. Uh, excuse me, it's a film. <laughs> wrong Will Ferrell movie. Oh, wrong Will Ferrell. Maybe I watched the wrong one. I probably would have had a this better time with Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Uh, Scorsese, eat your heart listen, out. Listen, I did finish the movie. I did fall asleep twice, separate occasions, when watching this movie. One time I fell asleep very, very early in, didn't even try to restart it. This time, okay, this is the most I'm going to talk no, about on, this movie. Hold on, hold on, because I'm going to forget this. Hold on, nope, I'm going to forget this. Do you remember when you got on me for falling asleep during Banshees of Minishir and when I was trying to watch it at midnight? Do you remember? Do you remember getting on me? I no, because Kyle, I genu- if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I genuinely think I got on you for watching it on your phone in your it was bed. on my iPad. And you got okay in your bed. I wasn't getting on you for falling yes, asleep. You did. I was getting on you for the method of which you chose to watch. Listen, I'll admit it. I'm a tired boy. I'm a busy boy that does not get enough sleep, and it makes me sad. I absolutely fall asleep in more movies than I wish I did. Though you all say that happens a lot. I went back and checked my letterbox. There have been four movies in the past like 50 days that I fall in the past like 25 watches that I've fallen asleep in at all. And every one of those I have gone back to rewatch. It's not ideal, I admit. I wish I didn't fall asleep in every movie. I'm going to change my habits. I'm going to start having popcorn, and I'm going to start making sure I'm only watching movies sitting in the recliner rather than laying on the couch because that's where the problem lies. But here, I, I get it. You can give me flack for it all you want. But here's a story that was at least very funny because of the situation. I almost didn't even mention this. Y- you, all, you all got mad at me for breaking the fourth wall on the whole Mamma Mia thing, um, which, by the way, I did have a friend text me and said, when Max hasn't texted you to ask about Mamma Mia, and it was like a sad face. <laughs> but uh, thanks, Andrew. But I watched Anchorman last night, and I watched the first half of the movie before falling asleep. Kenny doesn't even know this, actually, because he's not in our chat where I shared this. So I watched the first half of Anchorman last night, fell asleep. I didn't pay attention to what time. I don't know. I woke up, realized that the movie was nearly over, and backed it up to where I believed that I had finished watching. I immediately noticed that this was like, I must have missed a massive story beat. I have no idea how this got to where it got to. I am very confused. But I was like, look, I'll figure it out later. That's fine. I watched this movie. It gets to like the very end of the movie. And Danielle says something. She's like, why are you watching this? I was like, it's for the podcast. And she's like, yeah, but do you need to watch Anchorman 2? And I said, (laughs) what are you talking about? This is Anchorman 1. (laughs) And she said, no, it's Anchorman 2. And I paused. And sure freaking enough, I watched the first half of Anchorman and the second half of Anchorman 2. And I was deeply confused. I was like, when did he have a kid? <laughs> Wait a minute. Why are they singing about sharks? He's he's gone blind? They'll have to resolve this for the sequel. I'm blind. <laughs> there were so many things I was so deeply confused about. Only to realize I was watching a second half of a movie that I had never even started. I, it must have queued like auto queued, auto played 
Oh my goodness. I was so deeply confused. But I did go back and rewatch the remainder of Anchorman 1. But I thought it would have been hilarious if I didn't notice that. And I come in here today and I'm like, yeah, so that whole blind subplot was weird. And you're like, what about the bears? And I'm like, what bears? <laughs> like, if I just didn't know. Now you're putting the whole station in jeopardy. That? Yeah, like, that would have been an incredible bit if I didn't realize it ahead of time. But for the sakes of discussion, I'm glad that I did. I've watched Anchorman in its entirety. I think that it is a good movie. Here comes the Maxism. I liked it. I didn't love it. I think that it is basically it. just a quote factory, which yes. isn't necessarily a bad thing. I know it's not a bad thing, but as someone who did not grow up surrounded by that, like if I had friends who were, I had friends who quoted Anchorman, sure. And like you've said before, I've quoted Anchorman without even watching it. But like that was never, you know, a personality trait for me or for any anyone in my friend group, really, where they just heavily quoted this. So watching it for the first time, you know, by myself, not with anyone who's sitting there quoting it, laughing and increasing my enjoyment of the movie. I thought it was good. I just don't know that I need to see it again. Like as far as like the plot goes, it was perfectly fine for a comedy movie. Like that was cool. It, it, it wasn't bad by any means. Um, I enjoyed the quotes. I thought it was funny. It did. It did cause me to laugh. But at the end of the day, it's it's just a bunch of quotes that I hear outside of the movie. You all quote it all the time. I don't need to watch the movie to hear those quotes. But it's funnier when they do it. I guess. Also, I don't really care for Todd Packer. Yeah, his um, character is he's, rough. Yeah, Michael Scott's character, though. <laughs> I like how this is how I'm <laughs> to call it. Brick. I thought Brick was hilarious. And I thought Brick in Anchorman oh, yeah, 2 absolutely. was oh, also yeah, great. he's funnier in Anchorman I, 2. He's funnier. Oh, yeah. I thought he was excellent in Anchorman 2. I was watching him and uh, Emily Blunt. Is that who it was? Was it Emily, Emily Blunt? Is that who his girlfriend was in Anchorman 2? Or, no, it's not Emily Blunt. Kristen Wiig? Yeah, who was Kristen it? Wiig. I don't even know Rick off the top Hamble, of my head. Yeah, Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig. Yeah, they were hilarious together. I was I was enjoying that part of Anchorman 2, which I thought was Anchorman 1 at the time. Uh, I think Brick was great. Obviously, I think Ron Burgundy was great. I think Paul Rudd was good. Um, I just didn't really care for Todd Packer's character. He was fine. It was whatever. Yeah, think, but, yeah. Paul, Paul Rudd is it so was Paul funny. Rudd to a good. Paul Rudd is so freaking funny. I think... No, he, he really was. And he's, like, kind of a standout for me because I didn't realize... I, I missed his whole... Like, to be honest with you, I didn't really know who Paul Rudd was outside of, like, Marvel. Like, I genuinely didn't. I recently watched Role Models and then recently watched Anchorman, and he's in both of those. Have you not seen and Clueless? And I was like, oh, wow. No, I've never oh seen Clueless. Oh, my God. We got to get that uh -uh. on the list, man. Clueless is phenomenal. But he's he surprised me, and I've been, a, I've been a fan of his in both Role Models and Anchorman. Uh, I am a Will Ferrell fan. I really, I just like Will Ferrell. I know some people, it's, he's very hit or miss. I feel like some people love Will Ferrell. Some people hate him, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the movie. I said that this was going to be the episode that I stopped talking. So it's going to be time I do that. <laughs> Kenny, I can tell, you know how I know it's because Kenny, I'm looking at Kenny and he's just like, <sighs> <sighs> this is Max not talking. Max is still going. Yeah, Oh my God! Listen, do you want my thoughts on the movie or not? Okay, I'm sorry. We're just looking for a rating. It's good. It's good, not great. Three, yeah, three, three yeah. and a half. <laughs> I didn't even hear what you said. I was talking. All right, Max. What's better, the first half of Anchorman One or the second half of Anchorman Two? I mean, probably Anchorman One. But I actually I did mean, like Anchorman Two quite it's a funny. bit from what I saw. Like I was, 
I was enjoying it quite oh, yeah. a bit. And I don't know what people think about the sequel. It wasn't. I didn't watch the first half, uh, but I, I did. I did enjoy Anchorman two from what I saw as well. Yeah, I remember we brought up Anchorman two in the chat like a couple, like a month or so ago, and my initial reaction was like, oh, "Legacy sequel is bad." Glad we didn't watch it. And then I'm like, "Wait a second, no, I enjoyed that. <laughs> I remember actually liking it in theaters." Yeah, I dug it. I dug the movie as a whole, but I think it's. I think it's so much environmental. Like just watching it by myself in a room. And it being a factory for quotes that I've already heard before didn't really, you know, make for the greatest experience. Good movie, though. Like, no doubt about it. It, it, it earns its spot as uh, an acclaimed comedy. So I'll say the first time I watched Anchorman, like when it released, I didn't really like it that much. It really did take that second watch uh, for me to, like, fall in love with it. Um, so I don't know if that's going to be would be the true for you as well. But I think, like, okay, I think maybe the second time I was able to appreciate, like, because like you're watching it just recently i was really able to appreciate just like the comedic timing and just like how like deeply um everyone just gets into their character characters that aren't like the leading leads are fantastic in this movie the guy who loses both arms oh my god luke wilson Wilson, yeah (laughs) um but yeah like i think just like everyone is just like at the top of their game um comedy wise in this in this movie and like beyond like the quotes and just like how quotable it is i think that's thing that makes it like rise above a a typical movie um especially like when there's like so many movies that are kind of like it in this era um i think that's what thing that makes anchorman really stand out you said like um the thing about people being on their game and like to my understanding it's really one of those things where it was just funny people being funny together there's so many lines and jokes and quips and the quotes that are improvised and this could be like this could be seen in the credits where it's just them doing different like line readings in that moment of things that they could have like said at that time and i can just imagine like the editor sifting through the like millions of jokes these people made to decide a handpick okay what is the funniest for this situation and i'm pretty sure there's even like a quote-unquote movie that's just unused footage from anchorman put together to make like an entirely different story or something like that i will say that i think this happens with a lot of improv comedies but i noticed it a lot when watching anchorman is that because of the nature of a lot of it being improvised a lot of the cuts don't match up super well uh which like isn't a huge deal it's not like it doesn't bother me that much but it is just something that i notice like facial expressions that like instantly change or something because obviously they used one take of this and a different take of the next cut and stuff like that so it is just par for the course when you have to make that many cuts and it, things like aren't scripted and planned out that way uh it doesn't really bother me i just i thought it would be worth mentioning also i didn't care for jack black's uh, part at all that whole bit of punting the dog like they i could have just done without that entire segment <laughs> okay hold on he had a rage that didn't that didn't vibe with, i like i don't get it. why it could have just not been he there. killed the only thing that jack no, black loved he didn't though oh his motorcycle his i get it yeah, yeah. Bro. um <laughs> yeah like kenny uh, I saw this movie in theaters. I would have been, what was it, 2004? So I would have been 16. Uh, did not like it in theaters. I saw it with my dad, and I was like, oh man, that was kind of stupid. 
And then you just quote it with your friends. And you're like, oh, that was a funny line. And then you quoted it some more. And that was a funny line. And then it comes out on DVD. Ah, magical DVD. And you just rewatch it and rewatch it and rewatch it. And every time you find a new line that is hysterical. Where eventually every line is hysterical. And I went into this most recent watch. I just watched it yesterday or two days ago. I can't remember. And I was like, I've seen this movie so much. I'm going to look for a line that I find funny that I have not quoted to death before. And I could not do it. Every single line, every single one, I have quoted to death at some point in my life. Where it's just like, it would be like a line of the week where it's just like me and my best friend, we would, say, we would say it for two weeks and then boom, we'd find a new one that nobody has been saying. And it's like, it's been mean to death. I even texted my buddy who was like, love this movie with me. Uh, I was like, man, Anchorman has been mean to death. And he was like, yeah, it's amazing how every line is just so quotable. And that's really how I feel. And like, you're right, Max, it is a quote factory. And usually I, I kind of have issues with that. Like, I think family guy does that where it's just like, Oh, let's do a joke here. And let's do a joke here. And they just drop jokes. And it's just like, it doesn't really make a story. I think if your man has like a decent story for it, just being, it's not bad. For it yeah. Just being a quote no, you're factory, right. you know? Uh, and I do think some of them have been overplayed. Like I'm kind of a big deal. Like I was so sick of hearing people like quote that, like, Get, do something new. Give me a deep cut of Anchorman if you're going to quote Anchorman, all right? I don't want to hear that. I, I have to tell a story here. So the first time I met my wife, she was visiting the college that I was attending, and I was in band with um one of her friends. So she came to say hi to him, um, and he introduced us. And I was a freshman um on the bass drum line in the marching band so i was the farthest thing from a big deal <laughs> so when he introduced i sarcastically said i'm kind of a big deal because i was the farthest thing from a big deal and she thought i was being serious <laughs> and for a while thought i was just this like arrogant jerk <laughs> when really i was just like i'm an insignificant person and she tells this story to like everyone that asks about like how we got together and I have to clarify. I'm like, no, 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 no. I was quoting Anchorman and I was stupid, but I wasn't being a jerk. I like that story, Josh. That was a good story, Josh. Thank, thank you. you for, thank you for recanting that for us. I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing personal details about your life, Josh. If you want to get real personal, I'm going to get doxxed. I shit a squirrel. And- <laughs> <laughs> I think I ate your chocolate squirrel. <laughs> I I also think that uh, we can't go through this episode without saying the tweet that I've sent to you guys multiple times. But every single time I see it, I love it. The before memes guys just stood around a group and quoted Anchorman together for years. <laughs> yeah, basically, and it's so true. Yeah. So I've already given like my my rating, like a three, three and a half, somewhere around there. Where where do you all sit? This is a five-star comedy, baby. I have it at four and a half. Um, and it's just more because I think there are comedies I like more. That, And if you would have asked me 15 years ago, it would have been a five. But I've just seen it so freaking much. Like, when I did the rewatch of it, I barely laughed. I'm a big laugher when it comes to comedies. Like, I will laugh out loud at, during TV shows and movies. And I, like, laughed out loud, like, twice just because I knew all the jokes that were coming. I knew all the quotes that were coming. So it just it's lost a little bit for me uh, from seeing it so many times. So it's a four and a half. 
I mean, it'd probably be a five for me too. But in the echelon of like these dumb, stupid comedies, yeah, I think it's hard to beat it. I will say it's it's got to be on the Mount Rushmore of comedies. It may not be my personal yeah, favorite yeah. anymore, but it's got to be up there. It kickstarted so many careers for like, I mean, I, Will Ferrell was obviously popular from SNL, but like this, like parachuted him into the stratosphere. Like uh, Steve Carell was nothing. He was on like the Daily Show and then this, and then he got the office. And like, so he had like a huge launch from Anchorman. Oh, I didn't even pay attention to the like, timeline wise. Yeah, so this was before the office. It had to be right before. I think office yeah. started five. Yeah, this had been like before before for before a four year old origin which led into office, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I did not pay attention to that. It's a good good call. I didn't even consider that. Yeah, he was probably my favorite character to be honest. And it's it's funny that I oh, he's so liked funny. him the most because like he's the stu- like in character and in quotes the stupidest like doesn't make like it's just so out there but to me i think that normally doesn't doesn't work. even know what they're yelling about yeah but like loud noise <laughs> the opening <laughs> intro like that just really it where worked. all three when all the characters like introduce themselves it's so funny he's like putting mayonnaise in the toaster and he's like i'm rarely late <laughs> people like me because i am rarely late <laughs> Yeah, I like it. Oh, uh, and Paul Rudd's is so funny too. He was like, "I know what you're thinking. I got a nickname for my penis. Call it the Octagon. Call the Octagon. <laughs> also, nickname my testes." All right. So, speaking of the characters, since us four are here, who is who? You've got to be Ron. Me? You're the lead anchor. Yeah, you 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 drive the bus, man. I was gonna say Kyle would be Ron. No, you you're wrong because he likes to talk the most. So definitely, uh, that's that, <laughs> all right. Uh, that stings. <laughs> I'm a class case of emotions right now. Okay. <laughs> See, it's addictive. I don't know if that's a compliment at all. Why wouldn't it be? Ron's great. I get because I like to talk a lot. Hey, but you're also a good talker. So hey, take 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 it as you will. You know. <laughs> Says thanks, Kitty. The guy when I'm talking. <sighs> <laughs> Well, sometimes you just talk a lot. I'm just like, oh, man, I can't. Kenny is Ed. Wow. Kenny is Ed Parkin. Wow. He just like... I, I feel like naturally I'm Brick. I just feel like out of all of us, I'm the most aloof. You are also rarely late. The, the, I, I, that's, <laughs> that's true. true. Yeah, <laughs> Doolin cannot be Brick. <laughs> No, <laughs> he is excessively late. I think I think Dylan would be uh, Brian Fantana. Oh man, you think so? Brian Fantana's so great. Is it because of uh he's always trying to rope in like San Diego Charger cheerleaders and putting on cologne for yeah, Emily? That, that's basically yeah. it. Yeah, he's hot too. Yeah, Paul Rudd is the yeah best main, main reason. Yeah, main reason. <laughs> I don't want to be champ kind. <laughs> <laughs> We're running out of options here, buddy. Oh, no. You can be a Christina, be a Christina, uh, Veronica Cornerstone. Yeah. So I think that's you, Veronica, my little China doll. I think Veronica would be Kenny because he both hates and loves me. Oh, that's a great point. That's a great point. I do like when they're all sitting there, uh, in front of the news desk, and Champ is like, "No, he'll be there. It's a pancake breakfast." It's like. Yeah. Gotta, we do this every month. Don't worry. <laughs> I, so I, I think Christina Applegate probably doesn't get a lot of uh, as much like some of the other characters in the movie. But I think she was 
great like uh opposite to Will Ferrell in the movie. I like mm-hmm. I think my favorite um line she did in the movie is when she first got the was first being the lead on the news and like when when a Baxter got kicked off the bridge. Um and she is sitting on <laughs> sitting at the desk going, Power, power. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. <laughs> Cause I think in rewatching this, you, you know this is a movie about like um essentially like uh, male privilege, you know, mm-hmm. and just watching it this time was like how how true that is in this movie. Just like man, these 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 guys just failed upwards somehow. Yeah, all these guys are buffoons, and they were given these such great jobs, even though they all were like. Uh, Ron is obviously a moron. Champ or like uh, Champ is like a, a huge sexist pig who doesn't even know about sports. You got Brick who can't think yet; he still says something. And then you get. <laughs> then you got, <laughs> Where'd you get those clothes from? The toilet store. <laughs> I just, I just want to speak to the testament of this movie because I didn't even get to rewatch it in time for this podcast, and they're all still right here in context. I read somewhere that periods attract bears. <laughs> bears can smell them. <laughs> the way he says that, he's you quivering. Hear that? He's bears. Quivering. Now the whole station's in jeopardy. <laughs> I stabbed a man in the heart. Yeah, there was a guy on fire. I lay low for a while. Tried it, and I stabbed a guy in the heart. I don't have any legs, Ron. Where are my legs? I've been meaning to talk to you about that, Brick. You might want to hang low. You're probably wanted for murder. See, Max, you're you're being reeled into the quotes. It's happening. I like, I like Brick a lot. I don't know why. I like Brick a lot. Honestly, one of my favorite scenes might be the green screen scene. <laughs> I just... <laughs> Where are my legs, Ron? <laughs> I don't have any legs. <laughs> he just kills me. He's like they're right Is there. Is that Anchorman one? I don't even know. <laughs> I think that's an Anchorman two bit. <laughs> it all ran together. <laughs> I, got, I gotta check this. That, that yeah, might be an Anchorman two bit. That is definitely Anchorman two. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's not my uh oh, that's not my that's not my favorite quote or favorite scene then from Anchorman one. Yeah, it's Anchorman two. Oops. Well that's a great bit. <laughs> that's a great bit. My least favorite scene is Jack Black. I that's love so Jack surprising. Black. I love Jack Black as an actor. That scene should have just been no, cut from the movie. It doesn't it, add yes, anything. Yes, it does. To me. It adds the whole like him like falling off the reservation. It doesn't add anything. Without that scene, he's still the anchor of Channel Four News. Like he has to fall off. I what's gonna put him in that glass case no, of emotion? I mean, you're right about that. You're right about that. I don't know. In the I just did not the, the fake dog off was the dumb. bridge. Normally, is so when funny, it looks so <laughs> fake, yeah. it does. It does. Normally, when Jack Black's on screen, though, I'm into. It. Like, I I really like Jack Black, and this time I was just like, he is a cameo you know, with a burrito. Yeah, he's really, he punches dog. It was filling, but delicious. I just like I don't know. It didn't. It didn't work for me. It didn't work for me. What was your favorite scene then? Favorite scene. I've got to rethink, considering I was dreaming of Anchorman two. But I think that speaks for the testament of Anchorman two that your favorite scene <laughs> was from the sequel. I know. I thought it was pretty good. I, I'm curious if my favorite scene is the same as as your uh, Josh and Kenny's veterans of Anchorman. I want to hear yours first. I mean. We haven't really brought this scene out. We, we've we've brought oh, quotes yeah, it from is. it, but I mean, come on, it's the, the fight, fight scene, scene right? It's so great, <laughs> more believable than the fight scene in 100%. They Live for sure. 
Oh, I was happy to see uh, Vince Vaughn in this movie, too. I didn't know he was in this movie. I like Vince Vaughn. Dorothy Mantooth is a saint. <laughs> yeah. The saint. I mean, one thing I do love about the movie is how it's able to pull on such, like, talents and star power like even anchorman 2 they got harrison ford you know it's just it's crazy just like the people that get drawn into to making a stupid movie like this you know say hey just shoot for a day you'll be in a, one of the top comedies of the year i guess that's probably probably enticing as an actor that's what i love about the fight scene because like vince Vaughn comes in and ben stiller comes in and i was like so like they're all led by like you have Ben Stiller leading the latina the spanish language news for some reason <laughs> <laughs> you got vince Vaughn doing the number two and then like the public access news i don't know who that actor is like like could they bring in somebody that was like oh that, that, that's like uh is that a guy a dude is that yeah that's he's from shawshank redemption is uh, that tim robbins is that tim robbins oh my god i had yeah. no idea all this time all right tim robbins <laughs> is a decent fool i did, <laughs> 20 years no idea that was tim robbins oh my gosh i mean he must have done such a, a chameleon act there that you didn't recognize him yeah, Luke Wilson, another one. Oh, the the uh, scene with the uh, the dinner scene with Linda's family was it was probably my next best favorite. Oh scene. Oh my gosh, are you just <laughs> looking up scenes from Anchorman Two? <laughs> I remembered that one is from Anchorman Two. <laughs> Quite an uncomfortable scene, actually. So I think, like, I do I do associate like some of the lines, and just like because there are certain like lines that have just like. I associate with life now, like a glass case of emotions. That's something like my wife and I constantly say to each other or milk was a terrible choice because yeah. it often is. Um, <laughs> so like in terms of scenes, like I think I just had to think about like, to the things that have just become so quotable in my life. And those, those, that, that scene in particular where he's just having that emotional breakdown is definitely a part of it. There's so. not a day over 80 degrees where I don't yell. It's so damn hot <laughs> without fail. <laughs> <laughs> I think the worst scene though is got to be the Sex jazz. Panther scene's pretty good. That that is a great scene. That's Paul Rudd just at his finest, sixty percent of the time works every time. The worst scene is the jazz flute scene, Josh, with the bullet. I don't. It, I don't it is get so it. long. It is they live fight scene long. It adds. It, it didn't bother it me. It truly adds nothing to the movie. You want to talk about it could be a cut. It, it's not that long. It for adds sure. nothing to the movie. And I mean, like the Rewatchables podcast literally has a category for all movies and best time to go pee, and they call it the Ron Burgundy Jazz Flute Award because it, it's the best time to get up and pee because it <laughs> doesn't gosh. matter. I think you've just been influenced no, no, no. by your podcast. No, I listening. hated it before that, and they just reinforced it. The you say it adds nothing. Him pulling out that flute, I literally like quoted it to you before we and got poor, on here. Before I knew you didn't like that Fred scene. Like, I just don't know if he's very funny. <laughs> he's in so many comedies that I just, nothing has ever hit for me except for like one SNL skit where he's like, when they're in like Orange County and they're making fun of Californians. One of the things I do like about the jazz flute scene is it kind of showcases, I think, one of the good things about Anchorman is that, so Anchorman is in, it's just an incredibly absurd movie, right? The characters, and it goes beyond just like the main characters. Like, it's almost like the entire city of San Diego is just absolutely absurd and just off the wall like you get constantly get these uh shots of like the crowds like with danny trejo or just like the mom at home with her kids watching the news and you just get a feeling of like okay this 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 city this world we're in is just absolutely bonkers and that makes it 
it creates like a, a feeling for the movie that um a bit different from like something that tries to take itself too serious um that's, that's something i've always appreciated that and i think that kind of comes into play in the jazz flute scene because everyone's just so into it um <laughs> <laughs> like if, if someone walked on your table playing the jazz flute and just stepped onto your your flute of uh wine or something probably pissed but you know magnetism of ron burgundy transcends all right. i do like when he drinks somebody's like uses it as like a straw that's yeah. a great that's a great move and then they they do the riff from aqualung by jethro i didn't get that joke the first time i watched it and then i learned about jethro toll and i was like hey wait a second <laughs> <laughs> And it really bothered me. It really me. bothered me. It bothered me. He flipped her eight he times. her eight <laughs> times. <laughs> See, See, Tim Max. Robinson is my anchor man. <laughs> I was, I was so literally funny. thinking that. Like, what I think you should leave to us now is what Anchorman was to everyone yeah. 10 years ago. And I, I completely really believe that. Ago. I completely believe that. But coming in now... It just doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't hit the same way. I would have to, Max. I would have to imagine catching Anchorman twenty years later after hearing everybody quote it for twenty years yeah. would be freaking exhausting. And then coming to you, you're like, "Yep, yep." I I totally get your rating. I knew you weren't gonna like love yeah. it. So it's like I I understand where you're coming from. It's 100%. wrong, but I get it. <laughs> I still liked it. I just it, it's just yeah. I mean, I'd never seen it, and yet I knew. 70% of the dialogue. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Alright, yeah. let's wrap this you bad boy up. You didn't even know what a movie score. I so. did. Well, I haven't decided between three or three and a half yet. I'm undecided yet. Max, if you give this a three... What's wrong with that? I'm going to be... Would you give Emily the Criminal... Uh, three. Yeah, that's gotta be Max. the bar. It's gotta be over that. Yeah, we'll see. Let's wrap this bad boy up with our Rotten Tomatoes versus Board Game Geek game. Now, I've already seen the ratings, so I'm going to be the host of this one. So what we're doing here is guessing the Board Game Geek rating of Castles of Burgundy, as well as the Tomato Meter, not Audience Score, rating of Anchorman The Legend of Ron Burgundy on Rotten Tomatoes. Let's see. Who wants to... You, you all have to lock in your votes. You all have to lock in your votes as to what you think is higher or lower. And then I want you to guess as best as you possibly can for both of them. Can you do that? Yeah. So, so got it. I have no idea critically how this movie did. I don't know how like stupid comedies for the sake of stupid comedies reviewed at this point. In time. Would you rather, because it's a comedy, do the audience score instead of the tomato meter? Does that make more sense? No, dude. No, I no, no, no. Do, 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 do this okay, meter. tomato, rotten tomatoes, tomato meter, Anchorman, or the Castle of Burgundy BGG rating? Which do you think is higher? Which do you think is lower? Lock it in. Locked in. Locked in. Kenny. Oh, Castle of Burgundy is definitely. Kyle. Higher. Anchorman. Jash. See, earlier you said that Castles of Burgundy was like what, like seven. Like seventeenth, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna go with Castles of Burgundy, probably being rated higher. Castles of Burgundy is rated higher. Sorry, Kyle. See, okay, this was my thinking though. I knew it was seventeenth, but like BGG ratings are like kind of like short. correct. Like the it's probably like low eight point something yeah. would be my guess. We'll see. You might be surprised where it is. So give me your give me your best guess for Castles of Burgundy, followed by your best guess for Anchorman, and whoever gets closest 
will declare the winner. I'll, I'll say. I think Inc. Uh, Kalsen Burgundy is a seven point seven. I think Inkerman's like a sixty-five. Okay. I was gonna say. Uh, okay, now knowing what I know, I'm gonna go with Castles of Burgundy is an eight point three, and Anchorman is a seven point eight or seventy-eight. Okay. I'm gonna go Castles of Burgundy eight point five, Anchorman seven point five or seventy-five. The closest by a pretty pretty large margin is Kenneth, who was Uh-oh. only five total decimal points off in totality. Oh Castles gosh. of Burgundy is an eight point one, <laughs> so he was four points off from Castles of Burgundy, and Anchorman is a sixty-six, which he was one point off of. See, that surprises me, even for critics. No, I, I mean, I think, like, this is, like, I think especially back then, like, these type of movies just ne- have never done well with critics. Like, Dumb Dumber doesn't have a good rating. Anchorman doesn't have a great rating. It's just, like, this is never a type of movie that's going to hit. It's just always, like, I would think, like, the audience rating was going to be sky high, guess. but critics are always going to... 91. I'd probably say like 85, 90, yeah. Yeah, I'd say around 90. 86. Okay. So yeah, yeah. y'all were much closer well, on the audience even, score. Oh, lower than I expected there, too. Really? Man. It's just a worse movie so, than you remember. <laughs> if, if, the 17th one, if, if the 17th rated game is just barely an 8, what's the number one rated? Number one rated game it's, is Brass yeah, it's currently. It's like 8.7. It's 8.77, yeah, no, I think, or something like that. Just the way that the averages work out in BGG, nothing is ever above yeah, nine. Yeah, Brass Birmingham's so, an 8.6. Yeah. Like, if something is like a 7 or 8, that's usually a, call, a sign that it's a very good game. Yeah, so, and Gloomhaven is 8.6, Pandemic Legacy Season 1, 8.5. Yeah, so basically nothing's over a 9. Nothing with that many ratings is over a 9. If you look at something like Oathsworn, which I don't think has as many ratings, that one might, yeah, that's got a 9.1. So it's overall 263. But it has a nine point one average rating for breakdown. Um, but it only has it only has two point six thousand ratings as opposed to something like uh Pandemic Legacy that probably has uh let's find out fifty one thousand. <laughs> so big difference. A lot more ratings. Um uh, but yeah, so they can it BGG's weird. I don't know how it goes, but it is our hobbies uh defining <laughs> defining number system we have going these days. Much like uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it's probably not all that. Uh, you really shouldn't give it that much stock. I mean, it's fun to look at, but you know, there's news that just came out today about Rotten Tomatoes like paying critics or something like that to put in good reviews. Oh, I believe yeah. it. Yeah, that that just came out today too. All right, thanks for tuning in to Burgundy Week. If you have any more uh, fun like double features you want to see us do. Let us know in the Discord. We'd be happy to take a look at that. I This was a good one. This was a good one, Kyle. Thanks for recommending it. I think it was you. If it wasn't you, I'm giving it to you anyways. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging, boys. I appreciate it. Now it's time to go watch the first half of Anchorman 2. Go f*** yourself, board game box office. <laughs> I was going to do the stay classy stay one. Classy yeah, I was too. <laughs> Kyle chose violence. I